This podcast is brought to you by Lacrosse All-Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Outside the Eight. That's right, folks. We have a brand new name, which I told you we were going to figure out. It just took a little extra time. Outside the Eight is paying homage to the wonderful eight meter arc that only exists in the game of women's lacrosse, but it's also kind of a euphemism, if you will, for thinking outside the box and connecting outside of the field, which is kind of what I'm trying to do with this podcast. We talk more about this at the end of this episode, so I won't go into too many details, um, and you know the explanation will be evolving over time as well. But bear with us, and let me know what you think of Outside the Eight. My name is Cassie Brunel, and I'm your host. Thank you again for being here. On this episode, we are talking with my dear friend, Maddie Morrissey, who lives here in Los Angeles and is an amazing friend, coach, player. She is from New York originally and has been in LA about three years coaching and making pretty much her entire livelihood revolve around lacrosse, which I think is a pretty inspiring story. We'll talk about her journey with lacrosse and how it brought her out west after her college career at Duke University. We also talk about the many things that she wants to instill in the young girls that she coaches. There is truly no one I know that has been more busy than she has this past spring and summer. Maddie coaches for Fire Lacrosse, Santa Monica Dragons, South Bay Lacrosse Club, Harlem Lacrosse. She coached at Marlboro High School this past spring. She just took a uh, Southwest region of the U.S. Under Armour Select team to the Under Armour Games on the East Coast. She is busier than ever and having a great time. But if there's anyone you need to know if you're trying to enter the lacrosse coaching scene in Los Angeles, it is Maddie Morrissey. If you have any questions, you can always feel free to reach out to us and I can connect you. So that's all for now. Thank you for being here and enjoy the episode. Okay, I'm not just the oh, you're going. Okay, go. going. Okay, am I high now? Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Yes. Hi. Hi. Uh, we are here today with Maddie Morrissey. Happy to be here outside the eight. Yeah, brand new podcast episode. Um, it is hot in LA right now. Yeah, it's the hottest I've ever been here. It's ever insane. It has been a weekend of heat wave, and now we are sitting in your warm apartment in Manhattan. <laughs> Manhattan Beach. I successfully got rid of my shorts tan though. That's good. That's a plus yeah not my sock tan though no I think we'll forever be played by watch tans sock tans and sports bra tans yes all the tan lines name of the game (laughs) (laughs) all right um well thank you for being here thanks for having me I'm excited um I'm nervous which is funny because I think you don't get nervous ever. I know. Everyone thinks I don't. I think I consider you one, to be one of the most fearless people I know. Did you know that? <laughs> I didn't. 
But, but I think I mentioned this to you yesterday. I just found out that I'm intimidating when you first meet me. I did not know that. <laughs> but That's the feedback you've gotten from people? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I never got that in college. And now after. In college, I was always, my parents were like, oh my gosh, so-and-so's parents came up to me and said, you're the nicest one to I, my daughter. Well, and we talked about this last night, too. I think you are extremely confident <laughs> and <laughs> extremely passionate and... I could see how some of those things could come off as a little bit intimidating to to others, but you are not intimidating to me. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just the people I've coached with that think I'm intimidating because I come I come off pretty strong at practice. I think it's just it's it's about the kids. It's, it's so all if you're for the kids. I'm judging you when I when you show up the first time. I'm like, you here for the kids? Yeah, you you have to prove yourself. <laughs> are to you a good coach, Maddie? For sure. So. That's how we met, was Mm -hmm. through coaching. I was looking for something down here in L.A. to get involved with, um, which was City Lacrosse. Well, now it's Harlem, Lacrosse, Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I credit you so much for bringing me back into the fold on so many lacrosse-related things. Oh, yeah. You were, how many times a week were you coaching with me? Once well, at the beginning of this year, <laughs> yeah, um, it went from a couple days to like three times a week, four or five days a week. Four, yeah, because yeah. you had Harlem practice twice a week, Mondays and Fridays from mm-hmm. five to seven, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> South Bay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it was so fun. I mean, I had lost some passion for the sport just from over time and feeling disconnected and then getting back involved with coaching I think really brought it back for me and now a lot has evolved and now I'm trying to put together a podcast to talk all about (laughs) it yeah I've been hearing that a lot lately a lot of people go through college sports and they end up hating they say they hate lacrosse yes no you just didn't like your experience yes and what brings it back for people is coaching I I think and luckily for me I never had a bad experience. I loved it. Um, it was hard, but I came out with an amazing friend as a coach, my coach, yeah. Kirsten Kimmel. Um, she's an amazing mentor. I can see her at tournaments, and I just sit with her, and we just ch- chat and catch up and hug. And yeah, I don't think that's normal for every lacrosse player. I think a lot of people aren't as lucky as we are. But um, yeah, and, and that's... maybe that's why. Oh, I think it's a huge thing to talk about the difference of experience throughout college Mm -hmm. and the different programs people are part of. And, you know, we just talked with a couple of my former teammates about our experience, which was very different and Mm -hmm. did leave a lot of us feeling negatively. Uh, But, yeah, so you're saying this because you played at Duke. And before we get there, let's kind of take a step back uh, and talk a little bit about your evolution into lacrosse because you've told me that you were not a lax rat um, but you are from I'm not going to say it right Skinny Atlas, New York yes, which is not very far from Syracuse right. you grew up going to the Dome mm-hmm. um, but what like, how did lacrosse come into your life? my uncle played, he was the only one out of nine brothers and sisters to play the sport and played at Syracuse and I think 
I well, so my parents were divorced, and I did Irish step dancing, gymnastics, and horseback riding. Oh now, my God. Those were my three. Are there any videos of you Irish step dancing? <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. So I loved that part of my life with and with my mom. It was very all creative, and she's a professor, and uh, wasn't about sports. And then when she moved away, I moved in with my dad, and I don't think. It would have been allowed for me not to play a sport, but yeah. I loved it right away. He did love the Irish step dancing, had me do that. And I think the day I came up to him um, after figure skating practice and said, Dad, I want to try hockey, he probably, his heart probably. Yeah, he was probably happy about he that. He almost cried. Um, so, yeah, I, figure skating went into ice hockey. Uh, Irish step dancing went into soccer and uh, horseback riding became lacrosse <laughs> very wow. quickly. And so, how old were you? I was in sixth grade, okay. seventh grade. Yeah, I didn't really start playing until sixth, and then I spent my summers with my mom. So I didn't play all the time. Rec lacrosse. Um, I just did wall ball. My dog Lily was a retriever, and she just—it was like killing two birds with one stone. I'd go out in the morning, play wall ball, get her tired, go to school yeah. every single day, and then. When I finally stepped on the field for a lacrosse game, I probably had about 40 fouls, but scored, like, eight goals. And I was like, who's this kid? Where did she come from? And then I was running down the field like a Irish step dancer. It was just oh hilarious. Um, but, yeah, it was... So it was something for you that you kind of... You didn't grow up with a stick in your hand, or it's not like the typical East Coast mm -hmm. kind of story of knowing you were going to play lacrosse. So when you were in high school and you were looking to go to college, what were the main things you were looking for, and, and how did lacrosse fit into that? Um, well, I knew I wanted to play in college, and I didn't really believe I could do it. My dad always was pushing me to expect more and just push my limits. And... I forget when it was. I think he sent me to a Cornell lacrosse camp, and I had an absolute blast. And luckily, I was able to come from a great high school program that was really competitive um, at Skinny Atlas. And I just kind of fit right into the mold at Cornell. And then other local coaches like Gary Gate would come mm -hmm. to our games because he had girls on my team coming to Syracuse. And I was always the younger one on the team, but... For me, it was just local coaches or local players that went on to coach would know who I was. So Erica LaGroix at Florida, Gary Gate, and Jenny Graff at Cornell. Those were my three choices. And then um, there was one girl from high school, from my high school, that went to Duke. And it just so happened that the assistant coach, Josh Hexter, who's now at Elon, mm -hmm. he was in town visiting them, about to go to a tournament the next day in Baldwinsville. And... He, we were at a graduation party of all places, and he and my dad met, and then I don't think I met him, but he looked over, and my dad was like, that's my daughter out there. I was playing basketball with a bunch of boys, bare feet, mm -hmm. and he, I was in, I was a sophomore in high school, yeah. and he was like, huh, <laughs> and then he came and watched me play the next day at the tournament, and it was done after that, and my dad did a lot of things behind the scenes, I think, to help Yeah my progression in the recruiting process. Um, I never had to discuss money with anyone. I never had to, I don't know. He was, he was a great 
asset to have for me and um, it was it was a really great process for me and that's why I love coaching now and helping girls get recruited because it can be such a special moment when you get that phone call and it just happens and the first person you call is your best friend or yeah. uh, actually my friend Kyle who was visiting was yeah. the first person I called. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> and he was, yeah I called him because um, I knew he could keep a secret. So, so I called him and told him, and then, um, and then I had to call the other coaches, and yeah, it was they respected my decision. Everything was great, and I know not everyone's so process is like that. Yeah, so. and and we'll maybe go into this a little bit later. But now you're trying to help girls, mm-hmm. you know, who want to play in college get there and get to the next level. Uh, but for you, when you were going, you know, you decided to go to Duke. Did you have resources or people to talk to about like what to expect or even just like level of play because it's something I didn't have as yeah, an I incoming freshman. Thought I was gonna get there and I was gonna sit on the bench for four years. Yeah. And I was just gonna be happy to be there because I had watched them on TV and everyone looks so fast, big and strong, and it's it's crazy. And you're like, how could I ever be like that? And then all of a sudden you're in practice doing it. Yep. And it's, it takes some time, but if you just can, I mean, it's so mental too. Um, freshman year was really fun and I was lucky to play a lot of minutes and get the experience. And then, including but then once you know, a game against St. Mary's oh yeah. when I was a sophomore <laughs> playing defense and we lost, I think 26 to two. Yeah, at I that don't. beautiful field, Kaskinen. I don't, at the yeah, Duke I, campus. Um, that was a that was such like a bucket list trip for <laughs> us. Like going back east, yeah. we had gone to like three different states, and we had lost all of our games. Um, I think we had like one close one, and then we, you know, we get to your guys's campus, and it's beautiful. And I was like, I had always been a Blue Devil fan growing up with yeah. basketball. I was like, this is sick. I'm playing at Duke. And then we <laughs> yeah. just got butts whooped. But you that definitely, you scored that game against, we'll say me if I was playing. I don't, I don't know. But don't know. <laughs> that is just one little connection that we had yeah. in and college. I remember my dad was like, what if uh, Duke doesn't give you as much money as such and such? And I was like, dad, you can't say no to Duke. You can't. And, and he was like, all right, that's it. And you also had, you were interested in academics and just, like, oh, the yeah. life there in general. It was basically a great mix between Syracuse and Cornell into one, and also getting a little further from home. Yes. I'm not a homebody, so clearly living all the way in L.A., but yes. um, I was able to meet so many great people and experience North Carolina, which is an amazing state, and got my dog there. I mean, I love yeah. North Carolina. <laughs> That's awesome. And you guys made it to... The tournament mm-hmm. all four years yes and made it pretty far yeah we uh lost to maryland Mar- my yeah. freshman year in the final four northwestern my sophomore year in the elite eight and then maryland in the next two years so, so and <laughs> so that's still a little bit of a sore subject yeah <laughs> it's okay but what was that experience <laughs> like like i obviously never had that oh, i know there are a lot of people that don't ever make it to the tournament let alone the semis or the quarterfinals so I thrived on tournament time I love playing for 
all or nothing, win at all costs type of games. It just helps you kind of black everything out and zone in. And mm-hmm. You're playing your best lacrosse at that time, and I wish we could have pushed past. I wish everyone on my team could have pushed past the scariness of it. Cause, and in high school, we always were playing it or our sectional state champion, yeah. whatever. We're always playing at that really high level, and I think it's really important for kids to kind of go through those make-or-break games mm-hmm. and just feel that rush because it is like n- nothing I've ever felt. And I did um, an independent study my senior year about getting in the zone and the flow of your game and all that stuff, and I think I progressed along with my research. <laughs> Wait, explain that a little bit more. So senior year, second semester, so spring, um, I started doing interviews with athletes, especially golfers and uh, cross-country runners because you are by yourself out there golfing for hours. Yes. And, the like, everything, we have it easy as yeah. team sports like and just running up and down the field reacting whenever you want to react I and I interviewed a couple basketball guys um just because I think coach K is huge on the whole mental game so they were they were really interesting to talk to and then Dr. Dale Greg Dale was my teacher and he helped me through it and I read a lot of great books um I can't think of them anymore but so that was about kind of understanding the way the best ways you can perform mm-hmm. as an athlete yeah and you okay. you really do have once you're on the game field yeah playing field wherever you are court you have to block out everything else because you can't have your coach in your ear and now when I coach I try not to talk because they they can't hear you but if they do then it might mess them up and it's just you never know what a kid is going to do just by playing. Yeah. So what were some of the takeaways from your experience um, with your head coach at Duke? And it sounds like it was a very positive experience. Like, are there things that she did that now you kind of try to emulate when you're coaching? Organization. Yeah. Um, and love. Love for your players. And I think that's so important. Yeah. And she's been the head coach at Duke since the, the beginning, beginning yeah. of that program. So she probably has a ton of yeah. just pride yes. for that she she talks about whether you're on the boys team or the girls team it is you are one of us you are us we mm-hmm. are duke and we take care of our own kind of not not no matter what but, but you yeah. know that you're there because you are for a reason like we're all there because we were good at our sports and good people we wouldn't be there and if someone is in trouble or just having a hard time, maybe give them the benefit of the doubt and try and, like, pull them up. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, for me, just knowing I had a mom away from home or just someone I could... Like, you felt you could go to her with anything, good oh, or bad? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And she wanted you to... Yeah, feel that comfort. To feel that way and... Um, if you took advantage of that, I think that's what was, that was like, if you could push past your own insecurities about coaches or whatever it was, that's when she became a really great coach for someone. Mm-hmm. And 
and I mean everyone complains about their coaches or whatever, but I just you can't blame them for how you played in a game. Right. And my dad always said that. He's like, no. Like, if she's telling you you're going to sit the first five minutes, it's for a reason. Don't let it get in your head and just play. And and I did, and it served me very well. Yeah. And I also have no hatred towards her. Right. <laughs> and no regrets, and you just have to play. You can't let one person dictate how you perform. And I know that's a lot easier said than done, but she was, you have to realize what she does for us. Yeah, so do you guys have a pretty strong alumni network? We do and we don't. So we were, I was just at a tournament and I saw a couple alumni, um, one I didn't play with, but she coached for a little bit, and then one I played with for one year, I was a freshman, she was a senior, Mm -hmm. and they were going on and on about we don't have enough alumni games and we need to do more because everyone at Duke is so smart. They go on to be <laughs> doctors and lawyers and uh, like high up on Wall Street and there's only a few of us that are coaching lacrosse anymore and have the time to kind of get away and more flexibility. Everyone else is just on another level. Right, so they're like, they're very <laughs> Saving lives, driven. delivering babies. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's... There's so some, their athletic, like I'll see them in articles. I'm like, oh, they were. Yeah. So their athletic career has become secondary. Yes, to yeah. their identity at this point. Whereas I watched Maryland's alumni, they were all at the game. Yeah. And they, and that comes with I think the winning mentality that they have. But, um, they were like, I wonder if if Duke were in the Final Four, would we get that many people? Yeah. At the game, and it's hard to tell, because you don't know anyone on the team anymore. Right. So. I do because I've chosen to try and stay relevant and a part of it. Um, but I think people would. I mean, you look at JMU yeah. and all like all of their alumni I came know. out of the woodwork for that, and yeah. that was incredible um, since they won this year. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think that's a really because you know we talk about that too um, within our alumni network and it, it not being very strong. And yeah. I think there's so much to be said for a program that's been around for so long and accomplished so much, um, maintaining those relationships is important. Yeah. Um, so kind of looking at your college experiences, was there anything, like, what was, like, your least favorite thing about being a student athlete? Or what's the thing you wish you had known going into it? Um, just to have fun and know that you can have fun and also perform well yeah like now I go and I could still play really hard but have had fun the night before or like (laughs) not gotten the most amount of sleep ever and or have a cold or something but when you're in it you're freaking out like I didn't get eight hours of sleep I didn't drink enough water I can't even eat eggs now yeah I can't eat eggs in the morning because I really used to force feed them to myself before games so that I had enough really yes I cannot look at them so now you have a complete adverse reaction to yes. makes me think of game day really yeah and I'm just like I just cannot believe I was like you were very intense about even yeah I was very intense and I mean I used to be really intense at, I was probably the best practice player in the whole entire country <laughs> I'm gonna say that right now <laughs> because I was insane 
at practice. Like, I was so worked up. It was game-like for me every yeah. single day. You took everything very seriously. Yeah. You had teammates that pushed you, right? Oh, yeah. Who were some of those people that you credit with um, helping make you a better Karen player? Karen Maurer. Shout yeah. out. She's a badass. Niner. Um, I always – I remember the first time I watched the 30 for 30 on – Christian Leitner, and I texted her right away. I was like, you are my Christian Leitner. You made me better. Oh, my God. And that She was, so I told you that they were playing on Friday afternoon. Yes. Um, the Women's Professional League in their semifinals, the or quarterfinals. Philly. And, uh, yeah, so the Philadelphia Fire, they were down by, like, nine goals. Oh, my God. And Karen Maurer was like, I am not giving up. <laughs> and I think she scored, like, three goals yeah. in a minute or something. She's crazy. Yeah. She's at Princeton and killing it, and she's just, she was always someone that could get under your skin, but then you, if you took a step back, which is what I did, I took a step back, and I was like, well, she is making me better. Yeah, and there was so a lot I'd, of love there, so. I'd be like, okay, she is right, I should pass it to her uh, faster and have my head up. Yeah. <laughs> and what kind of things are you most nostalgic for? Like, what do you miss? Uh... Just bus rides and... Yeah, the travel aspect. Team pictures, Halloween. I was really close with the boys' team, and those guys were great also when we were all together. So there was a lot of camaraderie between yeah, the two programs, yeah. which is And then cool. going to their Final Fours and them winning. Um, but yeah, just being surrounded by such amazing athletes. I mean, we had... Olympic divers and professional soccer players and yeah, yeah it was wor- it, it was, was world class yeah and sports just to be an, or like an Olympic fencer yeah. I don't know anything about fencing but that in, is impressive yes and it was very cool to be around that type of excellence and um it's just a very every day I would just be like oh my gosh I can't believe I'm here yeah. And now, Gothic. Gothic. so you're, you go from New York to North Carolina, mm-hmm. and then what drives you to California and Los Angeles? Well, from a standpoint of, like, life change, and yeah. then how did you get involved with lacrosse on this side of the country? So I was going to move to Portland, Oregon, um, but I had come out here and seen how beautiful it was in Manhattan Beach, and I gave myself two weeks find a job, and I contacted my friend Kitty Cullen in San Diego, and she put me in touch with Megan Toomey okay. up here. who, yes, is amazing. Um, and right away I started working for the San Monica Dragons as a coach and admin, um, and then I was coaching high school at Marlboro, the private girls' school. And that's a fairly new program. Yeah, so they, it's uh, <coughs> pretty funny, they had never won more than one game, I think, in a season. And our first year there, they won four. And it was hilarious. The parents were great. Um, It's crazy that the people we had as freshmen and sophomores are now graduated. Yeah. So the sophomores are now graduated. Um, So proud of those girls. Their parents are amazing. Uh, It feels like a big family, big purple Mustang family. And now we, my freshmen are now seniors, and like a lot of them, it was their first time picking up a stick, and they were just really good athletes, and Mm -hmm. it was so cool. So then we went from winning four games to having a 
twelve and five record, I think, the next year. So a winning record, first time ever in program history. <laughs> and because at Marlboro, it's academics. I mean, it's I think it's the second top academic school in the nation. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. I saw that. that <laughs> we'll fact check that. But yeah, <laughs> we will fact check that. Uh, but I mean, I I've been asked to go to other places, and I can't imagine not going to that school. Yeah. It is so beautiful. I mean, you're and right the staff in is so Beverly nice. Hills. I know. You're right. <laughs> it's right by large. Pretty idealistic. Um, but when you kind of came out here, were you impressed by the level of play? Were you? I wasn't. Like, I wouldn't even say. Well, I was with the little kids a lot, which yeah. was great. I love little kids. Um, and gr- the love that they have for the game, and then to see them go from liking it to getting the bug and just loving it was really cool and then going to USC games and seeing my girls there finally I was like oh my gosh they have a college they can go watch USC they watch USC Oregon USC Stanford and that I think was huge if we didn't have USC I don't think it would be the same level we would like we would be struggling to get these girls to think big and to understand that it's possible yeah. for them to play at higher and level. And my fourth grade dragons are now in sixth grade rising seventh graders. And I run their practice like it's a, maybe a low-level college. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you have I'm high very, expectations Yeah, for the and they love coached. it. And they rise and they they um, just won some tournament. Packlax went undefeated and they're hilarious. Yes. And, they're using their left hands, which is huge. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because there's such a uh, there's a pretty large group of East Coast people who grew up on the East Coast that are out here mm-hmm. in LA area and Southern California that are coaching and growing the game, and especially the women's game. And that is just unprecedented. I mean, mm. and to have those players, you know, living out here, just like making the the time to be here and and coach these girls, I think. It, we did not have access to that on the West Coast when I was young right. or, you know, when my teammates that are from California were young. And it's it's now that it's being more injected out here that um, that growth is happening so much more rapidly. Mm-hmm. And the level of play is, I mean, yeah, like even this spring when we were when I was coaching yeah. for South Bay and, and seeing all these other clubs with these girls that are in second, third, fourth, fifth grade, it's like, all right, like, that's awesome. Yeah. It's you really know. great, and um, I mean the weather doesn't hurt. The fact no. that we can play all year round yes. in beautiful weather, exactly, is great. And I think LA is the next hotbed that's waiting to explode. Explode if we can start getting some kids to kind of commit from soccer. But it's it's an uphill battle. Right. Well, for there's sure. definitely still that um, <coughs> mentality that playing multiple sports. You know, mm-hmm. being involved in multiple sports, and it, as we are, I mean, I played three sports in right. high school, and it's it wasn't so much harder out here to play yeah. three sports. And then lacrosse isn't in all the high schools, mm-hmm. so there's just there's some gaps that we're trying to fill, but we're getting there. Yeah, so I think we should talk a little bit about your experience um, with Harlem lacrosse and what that's all about, because oh, yeah. I think that's definitely become something that's near and dear to my heart as well yes. and is important 
Um, so what, what would you say to someone who doesn't know anything about it? Um, well, when I came out here, that was one of the teams that we were, we were contract coaches for, for City, um, under Mike Levin, and I, we coached for him for two years, and then he let me know that they were merging with Harlem and that they wanted to hire me as a program director, um, in LA, and I, I kind of, I was scared because I never had a nine to five, really, Mm -hmm. and I was nervous about flexibility and being able to continue with all the other teams that I coach and being on the U.S. lacrosse board out here. I don't know. It was just a lot, a of, lot of things, to things that I didn't want to give up and I ne- I didn't necessarily have to give them up at all. It was just, I felt like a chicken running around with my head cut off this past year as a program <laughs> You director, are like, yes, you were definitely the like practice, busiest person yeah. I knew and even, you know, this summer you're crazy too with yeah. with all your trips and stuff it's so. fun and I mean for Harlem it's well the city girls have been so, with city since fifth and sixth grade yes. and now they are in high school and they are a force they yes. are amazing they play on our travel team for fire but then they also have their own little niche as they're the only girls high school program that's functioning and going to tournaments in the entire country for Harlem there's wow. a boys team in New York, but there is not, and they're hoping to get one in Baltimore, but that's kind of where we're left standing with these Harlem kids in every city we're in, is where do they go with, yeah, when they're next? done with middle school? Because that's where we stop right okay. now, except in New York at one school. And here, because we were city, we were at so many schools, yeah. and we still had the flexibility to have a... Um, high school team and so this coming year that is what my goal will be is to kind of give the high school girls the attention they need yes um and then because then you have something for the younger girls to, to look, look up, up to, to. yeah and that was I mean you would be at practice on Mondays and Friday nights yeah and you'd be with the high school girls and I'd be driving the fifth graders over yeah and we had our big sister little sisters and I mean sometimes we'd have joint practices mm-hmm. just because it made the little girls realize what was expected of them. Yes. And they had a lot of sass. Yeah, we dealt with some attitudes. But I think it also helps. I mean, coaching is an amazing learning tool. So to have the older girls help me coach them Mm -hmm. just gives them... And they feel a lot of ownership over that, too. They're very, you know... So Harlem Lacrosse brings lacrosse to areas that yes. are, don't have yes, normal accessibility that. of that. So, yeah, no, I think in that's... The wood. The, yeah. So, um, it, will be it obviously started in Harlem in New York and right. now has created different branches in different cities across the U.S. And Los Angeles is the only West Coast presence for Harlem. But they... Um, so you were a program director in a school in um, Inglewood. Yes, right? just a little north. Yeah. Um, on Crenshaw. Yeah, so you were at school most days working with these girls, even academically. Mm-hmm. Um, in the winter, yeah. So winter was great. I felt like I was there more and helping them with their academics and making sure they got their book, book reports in. And I give a lot of credit to their parents. Their parents are really supportive, and um, and they were really easy to communicate with, which I think... And you were so open to that, too. Yeah. You really... you 
yeah, just love was, those girls yes, so hard yeah. and wanted and want them to love lacrosse and, and ha- take pride in all the work that mm-hmm. they do on and off the field. And I think mm-hmm. that really shows. Yeah, it was it was a really great experience in taking them up to Whittier. Um, Whittier College up yes. in the Valley. Yes. They hosted us a few times. And when we went to watch a game, they're cheering for their coaches. And then those girls would come down and coach yeah. for us the sometimes. Players. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. And, um, yeah, I like to just be there for them, for the Harlem kids. Like, I'm not there to yell at them, but they, they need to learn certain aspects. I think being able to run a well-oiled machine of a practice is mm-hmm. not realistic in the beginning. No. But by the end, we should be able to really get through a whole hour and a half of and drills, yeah, and learn something, and, and remembering our equipment. That's oh, pretty yeah. much the first step. The remembering is tough, and I, I think I was a bad what's it, enabling. I was enabling the forgetfulness because <laughs> I have that body bag of yeah, year, a hundred. But it just—it's not even their fault. I don't know. Sometimes they're like, oh, it's in my mom's trunk. I'm like, come on, mom. But I think <laughs> whenever they are there, it's capturing their attention and. and leaving them feeling positive about themselves and what they're doing as much mm-hmm. as possible. And I, yeah. there are obviously like any working with any group of fifth, sixth grade girls is going to have its challenges. Yeah. Um, but having, being a role model for them and being really honest with them because yeah. you are very direct <laughs> with some of them Yes, and, but it's real and yeah. there's no coddling, but, but there's, it's not out of, anger it's out of love and it's out of you know setting them up for success and having a standard that you believe that they can reach yes um and that's and then you know they're hugging you every time they see you and they're saying they're gonna miss you if you're not there and oh my gosh when I told them I wasn't going to be at their fifth grade graduation it was like it was like the worst news they had heard in a long time. I couldn't leave there hugging for at least five minutes, and they were crying. I was crying. I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. You were going to be so upset. <laughs> and they were so mad. And they were like, why do you have to coach other teams? Yeah. So I was like, so that you can play on them someday. Exactly. And that is, that is a, you're trying to create some avenues for them yes. so that they're able to keep playing. And I know some of them are going through switching schools yes. and different things and they won't fit into the Harlem model forever. And so, but you still have those relationships and yeah. believe in them. And some of them are such great athletes oh, and yeah. could really aspire to yeah. be. I mean, the still photos players. we have of some of them, some of them playing like going for ground balls or playing defense or something, they're already just in the right mindset. They're yeah. just – it is really cool. But I'm an optimist, so I think I always find the athleticism in everyone, even if they aren't. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you could be a low attacker. You exactly. You don't have to move much. Exactly. Like, put her in the goal. <laughs> and people are like, what? I'm like, she's got hand-eye. I think there's always but a place thing for is someone afraid of it, so. on the lacrosse field. Yeah. Um, but I think you do really try to play to the strengths of all the girls that you're coaching and um, challenge them to be better every day. Uh, what else do you kind of carry with you when you're coaching or mentalities that you're trying to instill? I think 
patience. Um, I, I just don't ever want my day to come out mm-hmm. in a practice. So if I'm having a rough day, I'm my mindset is practice is my release. And I get to have fun. I get to teach someone something. I can hop in a drill maybe, get some... Yes. Road rage out. Yes. But... And you still have wheels, man. You are so fast out there. Sometimes. (laughs) So if I'm frustrated from whatever happened during my day or frustrated or I feel myself getting frustrated in a practice, I like to take myself out of that drill and maybe see it from a player's perspective. Maybe they don't understand what I'm saying or... There's too many airplanes flying over this field. I don't yeah. know, but I just don't <laughs> want them to ever feel like I'm angry at them. I, I might be upset with how a drill is going or I expect more from them, but that's the only thing I want them to feel is never shame that I'm yelling at yes. them. It's like I want them to feel like, okay, Coach Maddie wants me to work harder, and I will because I know she just – wants the best for me. I don't want them to be afraid of me, and I want I want them, and also what's great with this travel team that I coach, since I've been with them for so long, they hold each other yes. accountable. All I have to do is look at them. Yeah. If they're talking, I just stare at them, and one next to her will elbow mm-hmm. her and be like, shh, stop talking. Yeah. I don't have to yell anymore, and I think that is always my goal, is to get to the point where I can just stand there and let them figure it out they know what I want mm-hmm. and just being clear from the get-go is and just yeah I think that's one of the more important things with coaching is to connect with your players in a way where they they know what you expect so you don't have to say much um and they they want to work hard for you and they and you know how to get the most out of them and they have so much respect for you as well and mm-hmm. and you because but it's because you have respect for them and you treat them with respect and like they have value and which they do and that really shows mm-hmm. these um, little ones they teach me a lot I feel like yeah and they're so I was telling you earlier they're so aware of everything that's going on I feel like they are so mature on the off the field when it comes to what's going on in the what's world what's going with, on in the world yeah. equality and yes. women and yes. all and of they, these they know they go to the women's marches. Their moms take them, and everyone yeah. is just very. Uh, they embrace differences, and they embrace each other's weird, and they just love each other on a team for every little different. Yes, that they have with each other, and I yeah. have like the tallest, skinniest little blonde hair girl who's best friends with my short little redheaded, and then we have. <laughs> Samari and Ruby from Harlem that come and play, and they are all best friends. They go to, I mean, Ella and Mally go to Samari's sister's quinceanera. It's like, they don't, they don't discriminate, and I hope that they, that this team will help them never be like that, and the way they carry themselves on a lacrosse field, it's like they have that with them at all times, is like, we are girls, and we are strong together. Stronger together mm-hmm. as a team, and they understand that the world is off right now. Yeah, and they and they think that's from their moms and their dads, and um, and maybe their schools. I'm not sure, but something about them is just 
yeah, and walk but, around like they know that they need to. Sh- I don't know. I can't really explain it. It's they like, have. They're confident, and yes. they have. They have pride for what they're doing, um, and they're not kind of afraid to embrace that and right. embrace each other. There's not like a, a fear of being left out or yeah. excluded because of one thing or another. Yeah, which they are just yeah, I think so is nice very to each other and young young women. Oh, yeah. I think everyone struggles at any level entering into a situation where it's a group of people who know each other and you're kind of the one who doesn't. And um, I think you are so great at bringing people into the fold and being inclusive and um, connecting people from all from all areas of your life that uh, is so, I mean, that's just like, that is who you are. And, and I think so you obviously bring that to coaching and, and, and to your teams, you know? There's not, um, you're not playing favorites. You're mm-hmm. not... Um, I guess I never I mean, thought about that. <laughs> no, but it's true. I've seen you. And you may have the girls that you feel more connected to than others, but I think you are really good at calling out the, the positives in all your players and making sure that people are being nice to each other because at the end of the day, that's kind of the most important <laughs> thing as humans yeah. is to be nice to each other yeah. because you never know when, when it can come back around. Yeah, um, yeah these – it's – I'm – very excited to watch this. I keep harping on my one team, but just, which you had practice today, so you're feeling yes, especially connected to them right now. Yes, and they. I just feel like they're playing more than just a sport out there. They're growing friendships and they're kind of empowering each other and yeah. and using they're growing their confidence. And girls, I mean Ruby, I thought was not being able to speak English to me, but she was just shy. <laughs> and then I come to find out she got best student of the month in English, and I was like, Ruby, you can speak English? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I've never... And then I watch her with her goalie pals and her teammates, and it's like they're on another planet. Yeah. They're on their own planet. That's so special. And I power. Think, exactly, and... <laughs> I think that's one of the most important things of about kind of what we're doing and what I want to accomplish with these types of conversations is bringing out the fact that we are we are all different. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different lacrosse resumes and experiences. Um, but like, it doesn't really matter. Like, and lacrosse connects us in in one way, mm-hmm. and then we're building so many relationships off of that, mm-hmm. and it's all kind of connected and, and rooted in something that's really good. Yeah, and I think on the East Coast right now, there's this bad cycle of getting recruited and me, 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 and mm-hmm. out here, it's fresh, it's maybe we're naive, I don't know, but well, it's, it's kind a lot of when more love, it's just a love of the game, none of them... Well, it's in when one person wins, we all win, Yes, and yeah. it's the mentality that there's enough to share there's not it's not scarcity it's it's there's wealth in in accomplishments among many people yes and it's um and I think yeah that probably is a very big cultural difference on the west coast compared to the east coast where there it was very competitive on the east coast Mm -hmm. there's a lot of you know you're vying for spots with girls um you know from your hometown and all of these things and here I mean maybe you can even speak to the fact you're you've been coaching some teams that are 
the top players mm -hmm. from the West Coast, you're bringing them to the East Coast. Kind of what have you noticed just even through that tryout and practicing in tournament situation um, that what were kind of the dynamics amongst those girls? Um, I feel like everyone is nicer to each other from out here mm -hmm. uh, to an extent. The girls who kind of have played on the East Coast more are a little more rough about catching and pat like doing the right things and being perfect mm -hmm. and they're a little less forgiving but not to the extent of what it was like playing on the east coast at a, at a camp or at a showcase or something I mean I I did not make friends at, at camp. most camps yeah which I was upset about I did not like that because I had always grown up making friends and um It was, it's refreshing out here. The girls are a little bit nicer to each other, and I hope that can start to, I mean, lacrosse has come from the east out here. Maybe mm -hmm. we can bring our culture from here over Absolutely. to there, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> but it starts with coaches as well. I think if coaches can band together a little more, it's not which club is best. The kind of last thing I wanted to ask you about and get your opinion on is the many changes that are happening for the sport currently um, when it comes to both equipment and rules. I know that you've been playing a bit with your new string king mm -hmm. mesh stick. Shout out! So kind of what are your thoughts about that? Um, I love having the newest and most innovative new products, kind of, just because You it's love fun. trying it. Yeah, yeah, I love trying it. So I was really lucky to be able to try that stick out, and then the new one they're coming out with is amazing um, for shooting. I don't know how it would be for a game, but yeah. I would assume it'd be fine. I love it. Um, on Sunday nights, in the Thunderdome, playing box across <laughs> with my hockey gear on. I love it. Um... Yes, and you I, play box on Sundays in oh, El Segundo. Yeah. Yep. Good old El Segundo, California. I get my fix. But uh, Playing with guys and girls. Yes. And uh, I love the, I, the, I think I do like the helmets. I didn't at first, but they're not really helmets. They're just goggles with some padding on the head for yeah. people who've gotten in a little bit of... <laughs> exactly. I never, I don't think, I never had a diagnosed concussion, so I... But, I mean, yeah, it's, undiagnosed. It's good. Maybe. It's good to be safe. Yeah, and uh, but everyone now can shoot so hard yes. and dangle and oh the things. Watching BC play JMU and Maryland and BC, all these great college games, the things they're doing with the game and how fast it is. So much faster. The shot clock and the free, uh, movement. free movement and the whistle blowing, but you're still able to go. I mean, anyone can complain and say that they don't like it, but that's just that's just not fair to say no. because every sport needs to evolve. And I mean, if you have a if you have hockey or soccer or football, I mean, those have evolved mm -hmm. and they're set and whatever, but. I think lacrosse is a sport 
it's like basketball. We're evolving and to make it better and more interesting. And basketball used to, after every basket, used to come back for a jump ball. Yeah. And the games were really boring because if you had someone really tall, you would just win the game. And now possession isn't as big of a problem in girls lacrosse, whereas a few years ago, if you won the draw and you needed to kill some time off the clock, oh my gosh, it yeah. was the most boring sport to watch. Yeah. And I hated playing that way as well, because yeah. then you're scared. You're playing scared, you're playing not to lose. Yes. Not to win. And now the shot clock adds a you new just element. Go. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously playing ice hockey, it was just a go-go mentality. You don't really, you can't have set plays. Yeah. You're just reacting to where the puck bounces. <laughs> and then there's certain ways you can do stuff, but I I just love going off of what's happening and reacting to what's going on around you, which is what the sport is now. And and it's so physical. I mean, you can say it's a non-contact sport, but girls are getting jacked up. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't hate it. I mean, I didn't like it when I got jacked up, but... But that's also part of the inspiration for the name of this podcast, yes. Outside the Eight, because the eight meter plays a pretty large role mm-hmm. in the women's game specifically. And now we are seeing women taking shots from the eight meter. Yeah, shooting from the outside. Yeah. We've got rockets. Exactly. Kids got a cannon. And that has not always happened and right. had, or has it hasn't been encouraged especially, yeah. right? Um, but now one of the rules in the WPLL is those shots that are outside eight meter, they're worth two points. Yeah. So <laughs> there's there's a value to it and um, I think kind of the name of this podcast is meant to uh, be a little outside the box and yeah. not be the same every time and uh, help inspire others to pick up the pick up the stick again if they've yeah. lost that passion. Um, so who else do you think that we need to hear from? My lovely roommate, Tana yes. Hill. She's been everywhere with this sport. Um, I mean, Taylor I will be yeah tapping into all of the girls down here that we have connections with. I'm trying to think, Scotty already said I could talk to Caroline, Caroline. Steele, Marilyn. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Caroline will be like, "Well, yep, you just pass, shoot, and score. <laughs> you just score." Um, trying to, I mean, kids from the West Coast that are playing in college would yeah. be really great, and any USC girls that are from. Oh yes, there's some great Oregon girls. Um, I just, they just play. There's nothing to it, but then they just play the sport they love. Yeah. So, awesome. thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Well, actually, thank you for having me, since we are at your place. But oh, true, true. Thank you for being <laughs> open to this episode and for being such an amazing friend. Uh, I'm really grateful for you. Thanks, Cass. <laughs> thanks for having me. Now starts the part of the podcast where we talk about a few takeaways along with some fact-checking, which Maddie and I covered a lot in this episode, so bear with me as we go through the many areas that we discussed. But the main thing and kind of one of the biggest takeaways I got from our conversation, but also just from coaching and spending time with Maddie, 
is the theme of really instilling the love and the heart of the game into the girls that we're coaching and also our love and respect for the girls as individuals because I don't think that that always comes across as coaches and everyone has a different style but I think it's really important to know that we are all doing this out of love out of love for the sport out of love for others out of love for the girls that we get to connect with and see grow over time as players and as human beings it's a really special experience and I I think it's one that we always need to remember So let's talk about some fact checks. Maddie played at Duke under head coach Kirsten Kimmel, who has been the head coach since the inception of that program in 1996. In her 23 seasons at Duke, she has guided the Blue Devils to seven national semifinals, four ACC regular season titles, an ACC tournament championship, and 19 NCAA appearances. It is without a doubt that this woman wants a national championship and is doing everything possible for Duke to get there. I know Maddie still had a lot of passion for the fact that they lost to Maryland a couple of times in the tournament, and I'm sure that rivalry continues to be fostered and exists today. But I just wanted to call that out as really remarkable that this um, you know, individual has been the one program coach at Duke. And there must be so much kind of built up camaraderie and people who have been impacted by her and the program that she has built over the, the many decades she's been a part of the Duke family. So that's pretty cool. We also mention the very fun game that Maddie and I played against each other back in 2011. Um, St. Mary's played Duke and we actually lost 23 to 2, not 26 to 2, like I mentioned in the episode. So that's something to be proud of. Um, We also talk about alumni networks, and Maddie discusses how Duke players simply go on to have careers outside of sports and lacrosse, with the exception to her, um, which is not true, but I'm sure is demonstrably um, true due to the many brilliant people that attend Duke University. But she mentions Maryland, who, as you probably know, is a powerhouse in women's lacrosse. Their program is 44 years old. They have won 14 national championships. They've appeared in 25 Final Fours, and there have been three head coaches in that program history, Sue Tyler, Cindy Timshaw, and Kathy Reese, who is currently the head coach. So when it comes to building and maintaining a alumni network, without a doubt, Maryland sets a precedent that goes beyond anything that's possible for most programs across the country. Um, We also mentioned this year's Final Four, Maryland lost in the semis to Boston College, who made their second consecutive appearance in the NCAA Finals. They lost to James Madison University, who won their very first women's lacrosse championship in school history, and their alumni absolutely turned out for that as well. Um, Maddie also mentions her teammate Karen Maurer, um, and she links their relationship um, to that of Christian Leitner, who was a a pretty controversial basketball player at Duke in the 80s, and she's referencing the the ESPN 30 for 30 episode that is titled I Hate Christian Leitner. 
he was largely reviled for many kind of misconduct and things, but she refers to Karen as the Christian Leitner on her team because she is the person that pushed her to be better, was brutally honest about her play, and made her a better player overall. So Karen, that is absolutely meant to be a compliment if you ever happen to hear this. We also talk about Harlem Lacrosse, which is an organization that brings lacrosse to inner city schools. It is how Maddie and I connected originally. I was looking for a coaching opportunity that was volunteer solely at the beginning, and then it led to other coaching opportunities that kept me very busy this past spring. Um, But Harlem Lacrosse is an incredible organization. Their mission is to empower children who are most at risk for academic decline and, and dropout to rise above their challenges and reach their full potential. They inspire children to dream about tomorrow while working hard on the field and in the classroom. They have programs in New York, of course, that's where Harlem Lacrosse is based, um, as well as Boston, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and Los Angeles. If you are interested in learning more, you can just type in harlemlacrosse.com. It will take you to their website. You can fill out a volunteer form if you happen to live in any of those areas. It's a great way to connect with your community and fellow coaches who are looking to give back to the game. We also mention Whittier College because they often send volunteers to Harlem practices, and I lovingly referred to them as being located in the Valley, which is something I refer to parts of LA that are beyond the West Side, because I I don't know where the Valley ends and begins, Um, but the Whittier I don't think would actually be described as in the Valley. It's uh, about 20 miles directly east of downtown LA. Um, but just a shout out to them. They are division three. They are crushing it. Uh, their head coach, Sylvia Queener is awesome. And thank you guys for always showing up to the Harlem play days. Finally, we touch on a couple of rules changes and equipment changes, which I think is just an interesting topic. And I think we'll continue to dive more into with other guests and other episodes. So I won't go too much deeper into what we talked about, but I did want to mention the helmets that Maddie refers to is um, referred to as headgear and it is optional. Um, It is not a requirement um, per US lacrosse rules at the moment. And then we also mentioned the shot clock, which was new in the 2017 season, and it is a 90-second shot clock um, for D1 women's lacrosse, and it definitely changes the pace of the game when you have a time limit on how long you can keep the ball on your end of the field. Um, It really helps keep things moving, makes it more fun to watch. Overall, a very positive improvement in the rules of women's lacrosse. We also mentioned the two-point rule that was new to the WPLL season this year, allowing women to shoot from outside the eight meter and get two points for that goal, which is pretty awesome. There were a lot of really cool rules um, in the league this year, and if you kind of want to learn more, because it was really interesting and it made the game more fun to watch and I assume much more fun to play, um, just as far as momentum and keeping the game moving, But Taylor Cummings has a great video on her YouTube page where she breaks down the rules um, for the WPLL. It is called Breaking Down the WPLL Rules. You can just type that into YouTube and find it. Um, But that was something I just wanted to call out. And those are all the things I wanted to mention on the back end of this episode. Thank you for sticking through it with me this far. 
I really appreciate it, and, and I hope that you enjoyed the episode. If you have feedback, please let me know. You can even just send me a direct message. Go ahead and slide on into my DMs on Instagram. My uh, handle is cmbrunell, C-M-B-R-U-N-E-L-L-E, or you can reach out to Lacrosse All-Stars. I'm available on there. My email is cassie at laxallstars.com. Um, but I'm really glad that I'm able to do this and I'm definitely, you know, getting new people in the pipeline to be on the show. And if you are interested in being interviewed, reach out to me and I'm excited. So thank you again and have a great day.